Glad to be back once again on the Sunday night or on the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, longtime friend and colleague as well. Going to be talking about Alabama's blowout win over New Mexico State this edition, of course. Also going to touch on a little bit of Alabama basketball. They were in action once again at home this past week. Touch on some SEC football action as well. Talking Tide podcast available to you at our web host at megaphone.com. It's available on all the podcasting apps as well, including Apple Podcasts. And of course, you can catch us live or recorded via Facebook or YouTube. The Twitter feed, talking underscore Tide. And as always, Big thanks to our sponsors, Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, North River Dental Associates, and DraftKings. And with that, we bring in the aforementioned Travis Ryder to discuss this route of a win over New Mexico State. Travis, 59-3, to the final score, and New Mexico State, uh, an, an FBS team, but putting up FCS resistance. Is that fair? I think it's fair. And you kind of went into this game thinking, well, if nothing else, maybe Jonah Johnson in that passing game for New Mexico State would pose some kind of a challenge. And ultimately, that didn't really happen as well. Now, as we saw, New Mexico State, first couple of possessions, hit completions of 23 and 19 yards uh, in that opening quarter. But really, from that point forward, Alabama Button things up and just 138 total yards for the Aggies in comparison to 587 for the Crimson Tide. I guess the downer in all this is I'm sure we're going to talk about the injuries that Alabama sustained in the game and how that's certainly going to impact things at the running back position specifically, it appears, moving forward. Yeah, no doubt about it. It looks like uh, Roy Dell Williams is going to be out for an extended period of time. Nick Saban uh, didn't call him out for the season, but based on his comments, I think that's what everybody's left to assume. Uh, Jojo Earl, the outstanding freshman receiver, who's also done a nice job returning punts for the Crimson Tide. He goes out with an injury that Saban described as significant, although not quite as bad as Williams. Again, nothing definitive on when Earl might return, but certainly Williams, that injury is the one that stands out, particularly when coupled with the loss of Jace McClellan earlier in the season. Travis, it is, uh, it's, it's B-Rob's show uh, for the time being and, and maybe for the balance of it. Yeah, a lot more mileage, it looks like, about to go on those tires of Brian Robinson. And, you know, even Kamar Wheaton that you signed in this latest recruiting class as a five-star you thought, well, if it comes down to it, certainly he's talented enough at some point in his freshman season. If he's needed, they could call upon him. But, you know, he's had an injury since the preseason that's kept him off the field. So you're really down three backs, three scholarship backs at this point. And that leaves you with Trey Sanders, who, as we know, has had an injury riddled pass during his short time at Alabama. Looked pretty good in limited action there in the second half. It was New Mexico State, but... Yeah, how you balance that moving forward is going to be a key tale. Now, I guess the silver lining is you are going into the 11th game of the season. But even with that, you're looking at the potential for as many as four more games. And with the way Alabama utilizes its running backs, it's a collision position 
big time. It's not just about running the ball, catching the ball. There's pass protection to take into account. So Brian Robinson, in terms of value, he was already up there on the uh, in the top five or so of this team. Uh, he may have moved up a little bit after Saturday. Uh, no doubt about it. In the second half, we saw Christian Leary get some carries. We saw uh, Des Moines Kennedy, who I believe is a, is a position convert to running back in the second half. So Nick Saban looking for help anywhere he can find it. Kennedy looked like a, a heck of an athlete to me in the few carries he got. Not especially instinctive, but of course, that's exactly what you would expect from a guy who's just kind of testing uh, – just putting his toe in, in the in the running back position of waters. Yeah, he was one of those guys in the Mobile area playing high school football that would rip off explosive runs. He, he could do it with the ball in his hand. So, you know, he was one of those guys when you talked about potential candidates, even back when Jason McClellan went out, you kind of had him on your radar. The wide receiver position you would think could be a uh, a stream of potential candidates there. Uh, we've seen that with Christian Leary, who also played in the game on Saturday. Had a couple of nice runs there late. But, again, it's not even so much about the carries and scrimmage yards and things like that. It's if Brian Robinson goes out, who's going to pick up a blitz? Who's going to correctly identify a blitzer to begin with and then execute the physical act of picking up a blitzer? Big question marks, no doubt about it. Uh, something that Alabama will have to contend with here down the stretch. You know, from a from a just carry the rock standpoint, the name that jumps to my mind is somebody that could pitch in. Travis is Jalen Milrow. Yeah, you look at this guy, and he showed it again on Saturday in in mop up duty at the quarterback position. Had a couple of runs of more than ten yards uh, in his limited opportunities. And physically, he definitely looks the part. He looks like he could play four or five different positions. You could consider some areas, maybe even on defense for Jalen Milrow. But perhaps that's where they're going to turn. Uh, perhaps they're going to look at even a couple other guys at uh, some positions like we've outlined already. But, yeah, Milrow is uh, very impressive physically and a, and a guy who doesn't mind banging it between the tackles. Another big game, of course, for Alabama pass rusher Will Anderson. This guy is kind of – he leads off the defensive conversation on this podcast seemingly week after week after week. He's sneaking up on a sack a game for his career, Travis. I think he's uh, played 22, 23 career games. He's getting up near 20 career sacks. Uh, he's made – I think 20 plus tackles for loss now for the season, which is a phenomenal number. Uh, you just can't say enough about this guy. He's, uh, you could easily argue that he belongs in the Heisman Trophy conversation. He's not going to, he's not going to be a finalist because people that do what he does for the most, for with rare exceptions, uh, just, just don't get there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I guess, I guess, uh, you know, maybe a Chase Young. I suppose it's happened here and there, uh, but th there's no measuring almost the value he brings. No, there isn't. And just two tackles in the game Saturday, but two more sacks. And so, and what you outlined is truly amazing because really in the first half of his freshman season, you'll recall, you could sense the frustration coming from Will Anderson because he was constantly around the quarterback a year ago. And he was just a little bit late or just missed by just a little bit. 
Uh, he's figured out how to transition from quarterback hurry guy, which is what he was for the first half of last season, into quarterback sack guys. Here's what I like. I like when guys have twice as many sacks as they have hurries. <laughs> and I know that Nick Saban has lectured us in the past about it's guys. It's not all about sacks. Well, right. you know what? I like double the sacks over the hurries. Anytime yeah. I get that ratio good, Brett, I'm pretty happy with it. It's almost like having twice as many solos as assists, right? Right. As, just as a, as a tackler. Uh, See some linebackers is... with 120 tackles, 96 assists. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah. Pile yeah. divers. Yeah. yeah. That, that either means you're late to the party or you need help, one or the other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like the kids when you bring that big wagon full of groceries home and they run out to get the eggs last, you know. Yeah. You've already taken all the stuff in, you know. And then on that last little bag of eggs, Dad, you need some help with that? Yeah. <laughs> Does he run down Wallace Gilberry for that TFL record? He's what, about five or six short of that now. Not yeah, too far that's off. one I've been sort of circling since the start of the season for Will Anderson because lost in that 2007 season, man, was Wallace Gilberry and those 27 tackles for loss. So um, I think it depends on how many more games they play, right? Uh, yeah. That could be the, the determinant. They could play as few as three. Um, they could play as many as five. If they play five more games, even four, uh, it'd be hard for me to envision him not getting there. Three, it gets a little dicier. Although, again, I don't see other than Georgia, which is a big one, um, on the schedule. I guess they, the minimum they could place four, actually. Two regular right. season SEC um, and, uh, and then also the bowl. I guess it's still three. They still got to wrap up the West, technically, I, I guess. But no, I, I could I could definitely see him getting to Wallace. Another big game for wide receiver Jamison Williams as well. He crosses the thousand yard mark as a receiver in his tenth game at Alabama. Travis uh, can't say enough about this guy. Fifty, he's averaging now just short, I believe, of twenty yards per catch. Fifty-one catches and a thousand and twenty-some yards. Throw in another three hundred and forty yards on kickoff returns. And this guy's impact has just been through the roof. Yeah, right at 20 yards per catch. I love some yards per catch. I love yards per pass attempt. Those are the numbers I really look at with the receivers. And, yeah, this isn't an air raid guy surpassing 1,000 yards. You'll see some of the air raid guys, 97 catches, 1,000 yards, you know, or yeah. 123 catches, 1,100 yards. No, 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 no. It's amazing to see 51 receptions for 1028 now in the 10 touchdowns, too. I mean, that's a big, big number. I know that with what Amari Cooper did back in 2014, Coop kind of desensitized us to it, but that's still a big, big number. Yeah, Double-digit touchdowns for a wide receiver. I don't get it home every single time. All right, we are going to move on quickly to basketball really quick here on the Talking Tide podcast. We'll close it out, as always, talking a little bit of SEC football, uh, but with – the score being 59 to three, we've hit on the injuries. Not too much more to get into with that Alabama win other than varsity over JV discussion. Uh, so to basketball, it is Alabama moves to two and oh on the season. They knock off South Dakota State at home. The final score 104 to 88. I uh, stumbled into a pair of free tickets for that one, sat right behind one of the goals with the wife, Travis. Uh, had a heck of a time. The student section, boisterous. Uh, 
I've I've not seen the students set, and I and I don't attend a ton of Alabama games personally in basketball. It's been my first it's my first one in a couple of years to see in person, but the student section definitely noisy and active, particularly I thought for a non-conference game and they had a lot to cheer about. Javon Quinterly, 26 points, 8 assists in this one. Jaden Shackelford, 23 points. I think they had five or six guys in double-digit scoring. Double-double for Keon Ellis. Big night all around. It really was, and it as a result of it being a more competitive game, as in comparison to Louisiana Tech, you had a, a tighter rotation, obviously. And didn't like seeing Jawan Gary go out with what Nate Oates later described as a soft tissue type of injury to the ankle, uh, because I think he's extremely valuable, uh, what he brings off the bench. But, yeah, anytime you get a combined 64 from Shackelford, Quinterly, and Keon Ellis – you're probably going to be in pretty good shape with this team. And the big man, Betty Ako. <laughs> double digits. 12 yeah. and 6. But I love <laughs> Keon Ellis, man. A double-double. You talk about 15 and 13 for Keon Ellis. And, yeah. Uh, again, very efficient, just taking 12, 10 shots. Um, you know, and Alabama shot it okay from three. Took 40 of them. I knew that made you happy. Uh, May 13, just 32.5%. But you know what? This team has done, I think, better in the first two games of this season than maybe it did. Certainly at the start of last season, take care of the basketball. Just eight Mm -hmm. turnovers and also 19 assists. We talk about ratios on the podcast. That one will work too. Well, one of the big differences for sure with the Nate Oates era is that he's got – he's built the program now to where there are – at least three or four really good ball handlers on the roster, more than one on the floor at the same time, all the time. For a lot of years, Travis, we, you and I saw plenty of Alabama basketball teams that really only had one outstanding ball handler. And, and Nate Oates has brought in a pack of them. And that makes a big difference where turnovers are concerned. No doubt about it. Um, and also just depth in general. You know, Darius Miles is a guy in the first couple of games that there wasn't a lot of talk about him going into the season. But he gives them 13 off the bench. You know, South Dakota State outscored Alabama 52-19 to 19 in terms of bench points. But of that 19 for Alabama, Darius Miles with – 13, J.D. Davison, the five-star true freshman with six. And what you wonder about with J.D. Davison is going to continue to be sort of a storyline for him and this team, I think, and that's his efficiency from beyond the arc. He went 0 for 4 from 3. There's no question about his ability to push it and to uh, facilitate and distribute the ball to his teammates, especially in transition. Um, that's going to be a work in progress, I think, for J.D., but he also gives them five assists and five rebounds. So, again, you think about these five stars, you think, well, it's either score 20 or bust, but mm-hmm. he doesn't look to be that kind of guy. He can still help you win in other ways. There's no doubt. I, I mean, I, I was shocked to look at the box score and see that he only played 24 minutes because I was there and it seemed like 34. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's it's because impactful minutes. Yeah. You, you couldn't miss him. Uh, six points, five rebounds, five assists, and definitely uh, looking like he is going to be a, a future bright spot at that point guard position. Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Going to thank a couple of sponsors here really quickly. We're going to start by telling you once again 
about our friends over at North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley. Great team of dental hygienists over there. Whatever your dental needs, they'll get you taken care of. Porcelain veneers, cosmetic dentistry, pediatric dentistry for the kids, laser dentistry, dentures, the teeth whitening services. They do it all over there. Also doing Botox and Juvederm treatments over at North River Dental Associates as well. Conveniently located right off of Watermelon Road in Fairfax Park, the address 1100 Fairfax Park, right next to West Alabama Pediatrics. They're going to have you in and out of the chair, typically in under an hour on a routine cleaning. So get by, get those teeth clean twice a year like you're supposed to, and make sure you get it done at North River Dental Associates. The phone number there, 752 752- 3506 or visit northriverdentist.com. I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier, also in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. You know, I sometimes, a lot of times, offer up some marketing ideas to the chocolate lady, and sometimes they're sent back like a Patrick Ewing block shot at Georgetown in like 85 or 86. <laughs> you know, that's the way they're sent back to me, but I did have a good one lately. You know what's coming up this week, of course, the Alabama Crimson Tide hosting the Arkansas Razorbacks. I told the chocolate lady, this is the week to push the chocolate covered bacon. Good bread. You got the hogs. That's right. Yes. I won't won't get any credit. I won't get any credit for that. Great Uh stroke of genius, (laughs) but I did put it out there. So uh, you need to do that. I'm sure they're going to have the chocolate covered bacon. Among so many other items, salt and sweet coming together, savory. Uh, trust me, I know, look, it sounds strange, but it's great. Everything at Peterbrook Chocolatier is outstanding. Those holiday season orders continue to roll in there at Peterbrook. And if you haven't already called yours in, you need to do it. Give them a call at 205-752-0211. You've got some important dates coming up. You know, good bread, we're less than... Well, I guess we're about a well, maybe less than a month away from Christmas party season, right? I mean, we're coming up. A, it's it's happening. Yeah. So, uh, you know, some of you folks have a tendency to maybe embarrass yourself at the company Christmas party. <laughs> you can kind of give yourself a get out of jail pass in advance if you bring or you provide the Peterbrook chocolate for that Christmas party. Cannot beat it. Peterbrook Chocolatier, that's for sure. Definitely the place to go for uh, holiday chocolate and candy needs, no doubt about it. Heather Ryer uh, does a fantastic job uh, with that business that's, uh, is it, it, uh, what, 13, 14 years now the the shop's been open? In the 15th year. year. Yeah, Alabama's won six national championships, good bread, in football since she (laughs) opened her doors. So I don't think it's a coincidence, my friend. Makes all the difference, no doubt about it. All right, finally going to tell you about our corporate sponsor. That would be DraftKings. You definitely got to check out the DraftKings Sports app. Official sports betting partner of the National Football League. New customers who bet just $1 on either team to score can win $100 in free bets. You get it done at that DraftKings Sports app. You got to use the promo code. You see it right there if you're watching us on YouTube. TPPN is the promo code, the Pigskin Podcast Network. Use that promo code when you sign up for the DraftKings Sportsbook app. 
and they will get you taken care of. Once again, bet a dollar on either team to score, and when they do, it's $100 in free bets right now at the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with that, Travis, we jump to our look around the Southeastern Conference. And one game I certainly would not have expected to mention, because we don't hit them all. You know, we just highlight two or three top ones typically. Uh, but a Florida 70, Samford 52, Travis. And uh, uh, the Samford Bulldogs gave Florida all they wanted in this one. I think at one point, Samford had a little bit of a late lead. Uh, what in the world is going – did they replace Todd Grantham at all? That, that's what I want to know. Poor Christian Robinson, the linebacker coach, he was kind of thrown into that gig and uh, doesn't seem as if the lads heard Christian in the week leading up to Samford's visit at what used to be known. I'm not calling it the swamp. You want me to call this the swamp when they give up 42 and a half? <laughs> To an FCS program, though, no, we'll check back later, maybe in a year or two. Maybe we'll get back to calling it the Swamp in Gainesville. But, yeah, 42-35, Sanford. At that, they should have just stopped the game and said, all right, Sanford, you win. You scored 42-and-a-half as an FCS team on the road against a Power 5 once-upon-a-time elite. They should have just said, "It's it's a, it's a we're good here. We're good. Here's your And also, here's your big check, and you get the win. After a half, but a lot has been made, I guess, with the post game at Florida, the players, the coaches dancing, celebrating in the locker room as if they had just beaten Alabama or maybe even Georgia. Um, and Mullen, Mullen's at the point and where it becomes untenable to me is that no matter what happens, he's going to get hammered now. Right. I mean, it's just to the point. The ship feels like it has sailed to the point where. Even if Dan somehow turns this thing around, that yeah, but is still going to be in full effect for mm -hmm. Dan Mullen's tenure at Florida. There's no doubt about it. I get reports from somebody that happened to be on that Florida sideline for the Florida-Georgia game in Jacksonville. And this is weeks ago, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks mm -hmm. ago. This is even before Todd Grantham got let go. And then this person reports to me that some of the chatter – uh, from the Florida players on that Florida-Georgia sideline about this coaching staff mm -hmm. uh, in indicated very much so, we'll put it, that Dan Mullen has lost this team, and he certainly hadn't done anything to pull it back in since then. No, and again, I don't really have a problem with the players celebrating after a win over Sanford. After everything, and they've, they've got to take some accountability in this. I understand that. There's ownership to be had on their – on their part, but you know, look, they're players. If they want to celebrate, uh, you know, went over an FCS team, I think it's sort of indicative of the state of the program in some ways, but what, what's it going to matter at this point? Again, if the players don't respond positively to a win right now, well, see, right. they're just so disconnected. They don't even care if they win or lose, but then if they do celebrate a win over Sanford, then, this isn't the standard of Florida football. It's just in that spot now where uh, either way, it's it's just a mess. Ole Miss 29, Texas A&M 19. I got that one wrong. I had A&M. I did too. And yep. that one. Uh, so that was 
you know, Lane, Lane Kiffin, for all the injuries that that program has had this season, you got to tip your cap to, to, to Lane and, and the way he's kind of held held that thing together. I know Matt Corral makes a big difference, obviously one of the top quarterbacks in the country. The running backs had it going as well. Jerry and Ely had a big game against Texas Huge. A&M. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, you, you got to respect what Lane Kiffin's done this season because that offensive line has been beat up. He's been beat up all, up and down the roster injury-wise, really. No doubt about it. Um, yeah, I figured that the A&M run game, would be the difference with Spiller and A-Chain. And A-Chain had a pretty big game, just 12 carries, but he goes for 110 and a couple of touchdowns. Just 41 rushing yards, though, for Spiller on 15 carries. And you're right, Jerry and Ely goes off. And I didn't have it as Ole Miss outrushing Texas A&M by 100 yards. Mm-hmm. That, that's not the way I had it. In that scenario, then it becomes more about the quarterbacks. And when you start putting the ball more in Zach Calzada's hands for Texas A&M in comparison to say even Matt Corral where the passing game is concerned. Calzada threw it 42 times Saturday night. If you're Ole Miss, you couldn't draw it up any better than that. No, no, you can't. And you know, Spiller, the more I watch Spiller, he reminds me a little bit of a former Mississippi State running back by the name of Anthony Dixon from years past in that Dixon was a guy who could rip off 100 yards on anybody if he was north-south all day. But if you could get him to bounce it, if you could get him to uh, to run laterally, you had him, right? And Spiller, to me, is kind of the same way. When he when he gets going north-south, he can be a lot to handle. Uh, but Ole Miss was able to just kind of funnel him, I thought, a lot toward the sideline and 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 – you know, some backs can can get out there and turn the corner and be just as effective. I think Spiller's a guy as as talented as he is who needs to be um, who needs north south lanes, uh, kind of a Burton Burns one cut and go type mm-hmm. of guy. And I think that's why he and A Chain complement each other so well. And if you look at some of his top performances, Chase a lot of times he's getting a lot of pistol runs where he lines up right behind the quarterback in the shotgun. But as you said, it's more take and give it to him. And he's working zones or powers or things like that. And he hits a crease and uh, he produces some explosive runs. His long run against Ole Miss Saturday night, nine yards. Yeah. Mississippi State 43 to 34 over the Auburn Tigers. Uh, The Bulldogs, uh, came back in this one. It looked like uh, looked like Auburn was going to take care of business, but Will Rogers in that passing game just just kind of clamped down on him and wouldn't let go. It was twenty eight to three Auburn, and uh, all Mississippi State proceeds to do is score forty three straight points <laughs> in Jordan Hare Stadium. Ah. Um, <laughs> that's an all timer, right? And yeah. to make things worse for Auburn, we find out. Sunday evening that Bo Nix is out with a fractured ankle. So uh, he may be done for the season. It sounds as if he's definitely done for the final two regular season games. And you would think in all likelihood a bowl game. So now it falls to TJ Finley to go on the road to South Carolina this week and then go against Alabama in the Iron Bowl in a couple of Saturdays. So you talk about from worse to worse, that's kind of the way things work for Auburn in the aftermath of just a historic comeback for Mike Leach and the Mississippi State Bulldogs. 
That is going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us midweek when Travis and I reconvene to preview Alabama's upcoming game against the Arkansas Razorbacks. That'll be a, a home game for the Crimson Tide. Until then, for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television, and we will talk to you midweek here on Talking Tide.